Jamboree with Sam Amick and Joe Varden. Well, this is a beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Uh-huh, uh-huh, to be able to bring uh-huh. people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Was right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Pod at The Athletic, coming at you yet again on Zoom, going video style. I am Sam Amick, NBA insider at The Athletic here, as always, with Joe Barton. Our run of fantastic guests continues. We are here with BJ Armstrong, longtime NBA pro, multiple-time champion, longtime sports agent at Wasserman. My friend, how are you? Oh, I can't complain, and uh, it's always a pleasure to see you. And I hope all is well with you and the family and you guys. And thanks for having me on. Thank you, sir. Listen, it's funny. We uh, we talked the other day as we were setting this up uh, about the idea that for those of us, you know, we would love to talk to you at any time. But certainly right now, it's last dance mania. And that's what everybody's been talking about for so long. So for those of us on the outside, that has been the focus. That's been the joyride of watching this. And I was asking you what it was like for you to be somebody on the inside. And I I sensed a little bit of a mixed emotion there where it was like, sure, it was, you know, it was okay to go down memory lane, but it's a lot and you got a different purview. And, and so uh, we kind of wanted to go down that road. So no, we're sitting here a couple of days after this thing finally came to an end, you know, you played a pretty prominent part in it in terms of the storytelling, in terms of, you know, helping people understand what it was like to be, a part of some of those teams, you know, Michael's wiring, Scotty's personality, Jerry Krause, Phil Jackson, all those guys. What is it like now? Now that it's it's over, what what are your kind of your takeaways from seeing the doc and and having that that kind of a you know reflection and memory experience? Well, you know, I never imagined, um, you know, twenty something years later that I would still be talking about those stories. Right. And um, you know, to be quite honest, it was very. It was kind of, uh, what's a good word, unsettling, if you will, to watch yourself on television. I've never been comfortable, like, turning on the television, watching myself play or turning on the television now, recounting my life. It's all right. Someone else's life is always more exciting than your own. And uh, so that was kind of weird to, to see yourself on television, telling stories, going down memory lane um, about things we did you know, in the early 90s or, or what have you. But in saying that, uh, it was interesting to watch it with my kids because my kids never saw me play. Okay. Um, it was interesting to hear their response of, oh, dad, did, it, did that really happen? Or dad, you never talk about these things. Or yeah, because, you know, it's just like, that's what I did. Um, that was my job. Um, I, I didn't, I, I never imagined that it was that exciting or... You know, that that's, you know, people were still interested in it. I knew that we were a good team and uh, I wanted to always respect those guys um, that I played with. So I just tried to be very professional about it. And what happened in those locker rooms during those times, that was then and this is now. And um, when they asked me to do, when, when Michael called and asked me to, uh, you know, that he was going to have this documentary, I said, sure, as long as you're comfortable with it, I'm comfortable with it. But it wasn't something that 
any of us just go around recounting reliving in the past especially right. you know you know none of us just talked about it so but it was great i think it was great for the fans gave them a peek behind the curtain and uh to see the mindset because he's such a polarizing figure and uh there's so much intrigue about what would drive an individual to be that persistent and you know achieve what he achieved so i think it was great that he was ready to tell that story and um you know i had no idea how much or how little even if at all i would be in the in the um, the documentary so i was just watching kind of like everyone else as a competitor as an athlete and, and you're still around the game so much uh, and you get to you know to obviously navigate you know things through the agent spectrum um but when you watch a doc like this i got to imagine it brings you back just as an athlete because you're talking about you know multiple decades since you were out there doing it yourself um we talked to luke walton a couple weeks ago about mm -hmm. what it was like for him watching it and he talked about how he would sit there with his wife and like count how many times uh he got the chills just watching you know the, the actual hoop part of it um does it does any of that kind of get sparked for you i mean it doesn't it, does it make you miss the game well uh sam i'm old now so uh <laughs> you look good you know, i mean yeah, i was gonna when, say uh, for what it's worth when it when it's over it's over and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that's the one thing that for me you know everyone deals with um how it concludes in your in your playing career right and um for me when i when i was playing i always made a commitment as a player that i said when it was over it was over there wasn't going to be any reliving in the past. It wasn't going to be coulda, woulda, shoulda. I wanted it to be over. I wanted it to say, I did everything I could. I did the very, I played the hardest I could. I, there was nothing else left right. and I didn't look back. So um, to be honest with you, this was the first time that I've actually thought about it or, you know, have gone back and actually tried to recount those stories and talk about it openly, you know? Sure. That was then, this is now, um, and I've kind of just, you know, moved on. I enjoyed it. I always tried to be present in those moments, but um, I've been very careful not to rehash and live in the past. Those were All great right. times. I enjoyed it. I, I, it was the thrill and, and you know, those were great times, but, um, you know, I just, this was really the first time, man. Right, uh, right. My kids and my family, we never talk about it. Uh, so, um, no, I, di I didn't get that. I didn't, it wasn't like, you know, the one thing is I, I, I can't believe how much I forgot, you know, as I was watching, I was like, oh yeah, I did remember that. And right, uh, oh right. yeah, I forgot about that. You know, right. what specifically what, what comes to mind? I did wonder that, like if you do forget things and maybe things you didn't even know um, during the well, time. Well, yeah, I, you know, I forgot, I really forgot how we used to talk to each other. So, you know, like <laughs> you know, people were, people were uh, talking about Michael um and and i i now i understand why you know he said you know he was worried how people were going to perceive him sure and yeah. um yeah that was all of us <laughs> you know <was> it? <laughs> that's how we i'm worried about scott burrell man you know that, that yeah, scene on the but, plane you know yeah, where mike kind of puts him out there i mean yeah, that's I mean, for, again for us we see it cover in the league a little bit and we see some of the stuff that that maybe doesn't make it out on the networks um but nothing like you guys and and it was incredible to see the locker room banter to see the stuff on the plane where do you land on the discussion the debate about mike as a teammate mike as a leader uh that you know that's a real discussion after this thing and, and people have been going round and round talking about 
you know, is it a, do the ends justify the means? Was he too tough on guys? And, and I know that's maybe a long, long conversation, but as somebody who has seen all sorts of leadership styles and, and then had your own style yourself, um, you know, what part did that play in the six chips in his greatness, or was it something that just was his personality and, and it was kind of in a different lane? How do you see it? Um, if I can, you know, I, I don't go back here often as a, as an ex, as an ex player, right. You know, that was, that was a moment in time of my life. Um, at 52, I look at it and I just smile and I go, you know, you, you did what you had to do. Um, how do I look at it? Um, then and how I look at it now is, you know, when you make a commitment to something, and in team sports, you know, no matter how great you are as an individual player, it requires a group, a group of people. In this case, we're talking about a group of men who had to make a commitment to one another, to a lifestyle, right? Not just working hard or, you know, you just look in practice and you may see a little snippet here or 10 second segment there. Right. When you make a commitment, it requires a group of people to really become each other's truth tellers. And... You know, it's easy to look at one player or the coach or what have you. And because um, that's just kind of how society works. You know, right. everyone looks at each other and say, well, that guy is the leader of the group or this right. guy is, you know, the, 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 you know, whatever. He's the hero or he's the best player. Right. When you are winning and you are winning at that level, it requires everyone to become a leader. Right. So it requires all of us to be each other's truth tellers. And we had, to we, we had to do two things. We had to be responsible for our team, every one of us, and we had to hold ourselves accountable. Now, Michael Jordan was clearly our best player. And what you saw was Michael Jordan, you know, doing, you know, some of the talking and what have you in practice or whatever. And that's great. And as it should be, the camera should be focused on the best player. But what you didn't see is that, as you know, all of us, that's how we policed ourselves. We didn't need any one, one person to have just the voice. Everyone had a voice. So if one of us weren't doing something, everyone on the team had to be each other's truth teller to tell them what we needed to do to win. Right. That's how you win. Right. So, yes, could Michael dish it out? Absolutely. But the thing that we also knew that, you know, they didn't dive into is that he could also take it. Interesting. Okay. So, and, and so like Bill Cartwright and John Paxson and all of these guys, everyone had a voice and everyone was respectful to each other's voice because everyone made a commitment to this lifestyle of what we were going to do. Right. And you don't just win with one person. Yes. <laughs> he was the star. Yes. He was this figure and that was fine. But the truth of it is, is that we were a group and everyone respected the group dynamics. You know, this community that you have requires everyone to have input and tell their truth. So when we were, weren't playing well, we didn't need the coaches to correct us. <laughs> we would tell each other, right. hey, man, you got to pick it up or, right. hey, you got to get going or whatever it was. So, um, you know, that's, that's the truth. So all of these things about who's a leader and what that sounds great, right. but that's not true. You don't become a championship team. So you look at all the teams that won, you know, you look at the Lakers, you look at the Celtics, you look at the Pistons, 
you look at us, you know, you have to have a group of people that are committed and you have to be each other's truth tellers because you got to, you have to, you can't be afraid to tell the truth. Right. You can't be afraid of like, am I going to hurt your feelings? Either you have the mental toughness to do it or you don't. Right. And that's the group we were in. So yeah, on the outside, I could see how people could see that. They're just looking at it from the outside. But every relationship that I've been on, especially when you're in a, when I'm on a good team, and those were great teams, it's built on trust. So there was never a doubt of why someone was saying something to me. It never occurred to me that that was mean or he was going to hurt my feelings. Okay. <laughs> it yeah. never occurred yeah, to yeah. me when I said something to them right. that I was, for, oh, I'm going to hurt your feelings. <laughs> no, this is, this yeah. is family. Right. And family right. is a little different than someone you're just meeting, right? right? And we had built that relationship. And yes, you saw all of, the, you saw all of us celebrating. But you know, our moment of truth as a group was when we lost. That's when you build those relationships. Because when you lose, you find out who's who. You find out the integrity of yourself. You find out the integrity of your team. You find out, you know, really the fabric of what you're really made of. So I had been on the other side of this, <laughs> right? I've been on the other side. I know what losing feels like. And that's right. why I don't even talk about it now is because I know the pain. I know all of those things that you got to do to get there. So me talking about it and just talking about that one moment or that one instance, that's great. But the truth of it is, is, you know, I've, I, I know the other side and we all respected the other side and that's what drives you to those extremes. So that's why I, that was then I left it there. Right, right. <laughs> People talk about championships and that's great. Do your thing. But when you go through it and you know what's necessary, you know, you just respect it. I respected each and every one of those guys. And that's why every time I see them, we just laugh because people talk about all of those things. But look, the things we did and the, how we spoke to one another, people wouldn't believe it if I said it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we did it. I mean, you can tell you us know? all of it. We'll believe you. Yeah. You know what? That, that was that was. That's how you got to do it, right? <laughs> you have to do that. And yeah. there's no other way around it, right? You can't, you, you know, if something needs to be done, you got to find a way to do it no matter what. And that, that's, that's the fabric of those teams. So mental toughness is, is uh, absolutely, absolutely, you have to have that ingredient. And that's the, that's the kind of group you had. And uh, Michael, he understood that. And um for someone that was as talented to him, as talented as him, he understood the the, the fabric and group dynamics better than anyone, and right. um, it was a it was a great for all of us because uh, you know we are all trying to do the same thing. Right. So the clip the the clip from the documentary, either the best clip or the clip that was most shared is of course where Michael gets emotional and he starts talking about why he was the way he was. And he starts out by saying um, that other guys did like he was going to be like that because the other guys on the team hadn't been through what he'd been through to get the Bulls from being bad to being relevant. And so I, I think my question is, is there a chance that he was, quote, worse after he came back, like after you were gone? Because like you, I mean, you said it, you know, you and Horace and Scotty, 
uh, Bill, you guys all came on board before that first championship. So you all lost together. So I'm just, I'm wondering if maybe he was um, a better teammate the first run. Well, you know, that's, first of all, that's a great question. And um, when you do win, right, um, you know, there's a little secret that you have to, you have to understand about yourself, right? It's only human nature to understand to want to recall that, right? You won, you should feel good about that, right? That's, that's, that's a human reaction that's understood, right? I mean, you won the championship last year, you should feel good about that. But if you want to continue to do that, you have to understand you never trust being happy, okay? You never trust happiness. Happiness is the enemy when you're talking about doing something great. I can't rest on what I did yesterday. I, what I can do is, and what I can control is right now. Right. And that's, that's a very unique skill set. And that was him. Right. Now, so the, it's only human that you do the other parts. So he wasn't being a bad teammate. He was just asking people to do something that, for the most part, we don't do, right? What is it we do? We talk about yesterday. Let me tell you a story about what's going to happen tomorrow but what about today? You don't even, you're not even present in the moment. Right. And when you play sports, you have to be present. And that's what he understood. And he brought that to that group, which is absolutely necessary if you're going to win and win at that level. Now, if you got another way to do it, I just haven't seen it yet. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> there may be another way. Right. I just haven't seen it. So for me, it was like, What's the big deal? You know, my favorite word as an NBA player was whatever. <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> like, whatever, you know? And now, to people who haven't participated in that, maybe that was the first time they've seen it. But when you are at that level and you have these type of goals and you have, and you have the graphs or it's in your graph to get it, that's the only way you can do it. So I understood it immediately when, uh, you know, that story was being told. Well, the uh, you know the very ending of the documentary, the the closing song was "Present Tense" by Pearl Jam, right. which was just mind-blowingly <laughs> brilliant by the director. Sure. Uh, the, the the lyrics are perfect, and actually, I mean, you did not write that song, but what you just said actually kind of lines up. Um, before my equipment failed on me, I was uh, kind of recapping the first part of your career. But what I wanted to ask you was, uh, I wanted you to tell the story of how you met Michael because you met him before the bulls ever drafted you. And, and um, I included it in my story about kind of all these guys close to him and how they first met him. And I loved your story. So I thought you could. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. i met him at a, uh, a summer camp. Um, mm -hmm. He was, he used to host this basketball camp and uh, I happened to be one of the, I was still in college. I was one of the counselors and um, so that was kind of my first interaction with him. And, um, you know, he would host this camp and then in the evening we would, we would play, we would play pickup games and, and, you know, and it was like, well, Michael, he plays, he loves to play. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, that's no big deal. And he was like, no, he loves to play. Like, so you guys should get ready and he'll come at the end of the camp and he'll play. And it was very apparent um, that very first game um, that he was just a little different, that he brought a certain energy to the game. Um, 
and you know he was a pro and clearly i wanted to use every opportunity that i had as a young player to kind of measure you know okay you know what's going on how, will i have the confidence to play in this in this type of game in this type of setting but the energy that he brought was was just very unique and it was so unique i remember thinking to myself that you know i had to i had to get my act together um he was he just he came with this like energy um you know it wasn't like a pickup game where you know because the games were like at nine o'clock at night or something after the campers went to bed and they would play they would he would let the campers stay around for the like the first game or half hour or something and then and then the games would really start and um and we play for an hour and a half, two hours, but he did this every single night. And he was bringing in on the offensive end. He was bringing in on the defensive end. And um, that was my first interaction with him. And really, you know, I didn't, I didn't know him. Uh, I just knew that there was something different, right? I didn't know what it was. I, I was, I was young myself. I was like only like 19 or 20, somewhere around there. And, um, but it was very obvious that, whatever this guy was doing was a little different than the rest of us for sure. So BJ from there. And honestly, I think the thread kind of holds fast forward to 98. Uh, I was kind of dying to ask you about something that was highlighted in the doc. That's char- that, that second round or first second round. I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. Playoff series where you face your old team. And, you know, at the time you're the guy who's got all the secrets on the triangle. You're the guy who's been behind the curtain uh, with the Bulls, and you want to see if you can't upset these guys and pull something off. You hit that game winner in game two, and Mike's coming back at you. What was that like? Just because, first of all, anytime you you see an old team, that's going to stir up different emotions. But then you're talking about an all-time great team where you're basically trying to to share that playbook with your teammates. You're trying to kind of slay the giant. I mean, was that fun to uh, to try to take a crack at that? You know, as I think about it, you know, I was like, okay, so when you open up a series um, and I had been on both sides, right? When you were with the, you know, I was with the Bulls. The first thing you always try to establish is that we are here to fight. You always want to establish that. (laughs) Like, you just want to establish that immediately. Like, and if if you're on the road, hey, this is going to be a game. We're going to play the game at the highest level. But whatever we're going to do, you're going to be in for a fight. Right. That's rule one on one. So, as it relates to the Bulls, you know, if I didn't do that, I would have for sure gotten a call from Michael and all those guys. What are you doing? Right, 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 right. You know better. Right. And if I did do what I did, <laughs> I was going to get a call. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right that's the respect of the game right and you have to always respect the game so you're getting a call is what you're telling us because when you are when you are in for a fight right you have a you have a fighter's chance so if you establish that you're in a fight if you're in the ring if you get the right punch in you might knock the person out right that's what you have to establish when you're playing a game so that was the mentality of what was going on look the Bulls were a great team. They had all the experience. They had clearly they had uh, the best player on the court. But nonetheless, 
you got to win the fight. That's, right. you know, as you're watching all those teams in that era, and that's what Michael Jordan knew, right? He always was ready for what he was ready for the fight. They made the adjustments and won the next three games, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with knowing that. But for one say, day, for one day though, you know, it, it was good. To keep with your with your parallel, you know, it's you won the second round. You're probably sitting there going, "Man, we, we you can't knock them out in game two. If you could, right. that would have been nice." But but you knew they were coming back after you. Sure, for sure, no question. And that's that's why they were a championship caliber team. But right. you know what? We we played well. Um, you know, we did some things and. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm I'm okay with losing that way. What I'm not okay with is saying, "Well, I could have this, or I could no, I can't. I just I I can't do that." Right. So BJ, um, the there's there's two things I wanted to ask you. They're about you. Um, one is kind of like based off of your career as compared with the modern day NBA player, and then there's kind of one more from your best year. Um, the, the modern day question is, uh, as you know, we are in the middle of the era of load management. Mm -hmm. Uh, your first seven years, you missed one game. Right. That is unheard of today. Right. And so I'm just curious for your take on that. And then also, I mean, if you want to talk about it, your single best year was the 93, 94 season. Michael had retired abruptly and you were an all-star. Um, so I, I mean, of, of anybody who stepped in to fill the Michael void, I, I think you, you would make the argument that it was you. So, um, I was just curious for your thoughts on both of those topics. Well, yeah, well, the low management, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of interesting because I, I see all the sides and, um, you know, as a, as an ex athlete, um, I constantly remind myself of the physicality of what that takes to play that game. And, um, you know, it's funny to, uh, I always, I always love, love talking to people in the league and executives and they're, this guy's not in shape. That guy's not in shape for load management. And then every single day, um, you know, and I, and I, and I do this just to remind myself, you know, I, I, I do some type of physical activity every single day. And the reason I do it is because I never want to forget you know, how rough and how tough it is to get yourself back in shape. <laughs> okay. Right, right. And every year I get older, that 20 minutes on that treadmill, it's tougher. It's <laughs> <laughs> tougher. Amen, so man, every year, like the 20 minutes doesn't change, but it just seems rougher and rougher <laughs> every single year. <laughs> okay. There used to be a time, guys, where I could get on that 20 minutes and do that in my sleep. I didn't think twice. I could run backwards, sideways, and run all day. Right. At 52, I got to warm up, stretch, <laughs> eat right. <laughs> I got to do everything just to get that 20 minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm always reminding myself that those guys are incredible athletes, and they make it look easier than what it really is. Okay. And the reason I'm saying that is because of the following, you know, these guys are, are moving much faster than we did. The game is much faster. The equipment is better. The training is better. They're stronger, bigger. I mean, the, you know, when I played, I didn't have to worry about a point guard 
catching an alley-oop over the top. But if I was playing against Russell Westbrook or Derrick Rose or <laughs> these guys, these guys are dunking and doing things that I just – I didn't have to worry about. And the reason I'm saying this is because, you know, as the athletes are moving faster, they're expending more energy. And they're playing with more possessions and they're doing things and they're cutting and moving in ways we just didn't move. You know, they're doing all these crossovers and all of these things. It puts a it puts a different amount of stress on the body. And I don't know how my body would react if I put 20 extra possessions during the course of the game as you add that up during the course of the season. Now, you know, I think every athlete wants to play. I think every athlete wants to play as many games as they possibly can. But, you know, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of cars and I love cars growing up in the city of Detroit. You know, an, an, an everyday car, you know, let's just say a pickup truck, you can drive it differently than if you were driving a Ferrari. That Ferrari, it's just not going to take the everyday pounding that that pickup truck or that family sedan can take. You got to handle that one with, with a little care. These athletes today, they're moving a little different. I can't say, you know, that they should be playing or they shouldn't be playing. But what I do know is that they're expending energy and they're doing it, you know, at a different level than what we did it. And I don't know the effects of that. When I listen to doctors, because I, you know, I was, I worked in the front office as an executive for five or six years. So I saw the medicals. I see the results. I see and I understand it. And I think when you look at all of the sides, you know, you have to find a way because of what they're doing. They have to have a way to recover. Now, I don't know what that means, but what I do know is that if you have these athletes out here moving and jumping and doing the things that they're doing, and if they are, if they are not at full peak, it puts them in a very precarious situation. They become susceptible to injuries. And if you look at the injuries that are occurring now, a lot of them, no one's around them when they get hurt, right? You're seeing seven footers doing things that I just never saw a seven footer do. You're seeing these guards do things. I mean, you just, you just look at, you just look at a, an athlete like LeBron James. I mean, I mean, this, this guy is what, six, eight, 250, right? Like that's, that's, that's a big man running up and down the court. <laughs> okay. So I get it. He's and Carl I Malone think says. that's Carl Malone doing yeah. things like, right. and so, you know, when we saw Charles Barkley doing it, right. you know, we didn't know what to say. Now you're seeing somebody who is three, four inches taller, just as big or bigger. So, um, you know, I, 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 I don't know, but I, I, and the reason I'm saying this is because I see this, the, both sides of it. And um, I definitely see and understand the athletes because the athletes Look, they know their bodies, and I always want to be respectful for people who know their their bodies and their limitations of what they can and can't do. And right. and um, I remind myself every day, guys, that you know what, when I do my little walk today, <laughs> you know what, that heel just looks tougher and tougher to me as I go along. <laughs> because Listen, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're hurting too, BJ. You're making us feel yeah, because like, I'm hurting because yeah, you know. Yeah. So when those guys tell me they can't do it. I respect that. You know, right, I never want right. to say, oh, back in the day when I did it, I could run all day. Yeah. You know, today when I go to look at that hill, 
<laughs> like that heel just looks it looks bigger and bigger every single day you know right. it's a it's tough right. it's a tough deal hey i feel like this is a, a natural segue and, and we can get you out of here on this and and let you get on with your day but i do want to talk a little bit about the business of the league right now and you talk about working out you talk about staying in shape how are you navigating this time as an agent when you've got so many of your guys who in the very beginning um you know i'd be curious to hear any stories about guys who might not have had any facilities at all you got the young guys a lot of times living in apartments um you know didn't have a hoop didn't have workout equipment a lot of teams would send out gear and, and eventually i think teams started figuring out how to help guys stay in shape but it's been as unique a thing as we've seen in the history of the league when it comes to you know guys being stuck at home and, and now we're seeing the rollout facilities are opening up um but start with the, the i guess the last six weeks last eight weeks how did you navigate that with your clients? Uh, how tough was it? And, and, and obviously you can relate as a player, just, you know, how challenging was that for your crew just in terms of staying in shape during this time? Yeah. Well, um, you know, first and foremost is, um, you know, I always just try to deal with the situation, you know, as is right. And, um, and I, I think it's most players would say they would love to come back just like everyone would, want to return back to their normal routine. I think that's just, you know, we're all want to return back to our normal. Um, but the, the truth of it is, is that I encouraged every player, um, just listen, let's all try to get the much as much information as we possibly can and listen to, you know, the people that can help because this is a situation here that it's going to require all of us. And, um, you know, we have to listen to the scientists, we have to listen to the doctors and try to gain as much knowledge as we can to make, you know, informed decisions as we go along. And that was that's what my thing has been as with all of my clients is just to encourage them to get as much information as they possibly can to try to find out. I, I think under the leadership of Adam Silver and the league and and the union and so forth. I think they've done an excellent job of informing their players as best they can. Uh, but the truth of it is, is no one knows. And this is uncharted territory for everyone. And, um, and like, you know, when this first started, I said, look, we all have to be responsible and accountable because we don't know where this, where this is going to go and what this is going to do. So, um, it's okay to want to come back. Everyone wants to come back. That's, that's fine. But we all have to be responsible and accountable to each other. And that's been my message for, for, for them since the beginning. Um, as far as, you know, the other aspect about it, uh, where this is going to go and where the players are going to do, look, I, I just want them to be aware of what's going on around the world. Right. We all we all in these different communities, you know, these 30 teams are all around the country. And you just want to play your part and you do what you have to do. Be responsible, be accountable. And, you know, <laughs> I always teased all of them. I was like, listen, as an ex-athlete, there's only one way to get in shape. You got to play in the game. <laughs> no one's going to. Right. Okay. You're doing your 20 minutes of treadmill. Just because I ran 20 minutes on the treadmill is not BJ Armstrong can't go play in an NBA game. Right. Okay. Right, right. All right. If Damian Lillard and these guys came in me right big now. Big three, maybe big three. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I've been working out. Hey, you know, I've been grinding. You know, they're doing all these things. 
look, don't kid yourself, okay? <laughs> Just don't kid yourself, all right? <laughs> right? I can go right now and pretend like I did an hour on whatever, some machine. That doesn't mean that I'm in shape. Right. So be responsible. Just, hey, just do the best you can, you know, and, and play your part because, you know, right now we have a responsibility. And, um, and, and, and you know, listen, we all want to figure out what's best. We all would love the fans to come back. But the truth of it is, guys, there's going to be a new normal. Right. And whatever that new normal is, you know, as we're sitting here talking now, you know, look, this is our new normal now. Right. Just to have discussions and videos and podcasts and so forth. And just to be aware and to be open to playing your part and uh, holding yourself accountable. That's all we can do. So, um, but you know, yeah, these guys are working out. It sounds good. They're sending machines out. Those videos are convincing. I saw Jimmy Butler yesterday was in beast yeah, mode. That, that, you know, that, yeah, you know <laughs> that, that stuff, I, I, I cracked me up. Yeah, okay. Well, no one figured out when Michael Jordan was coming at you full speed. No, no workout yet has figured that out. So right, when right, LeBron right. James and Russell Westbrook and James Harden, these guys figure that one out. Right, so, right. you know, the only way you're going to do that is get in the game and hopefully sooner rather than later for all of these guys, for all of us, you know, let's get back to our new normal, get back where we can, all three of us should be sitting in a room right now, chopping it up, right. but we can't. So, um, you know, let's figure it out together. And uh, the next time, let's figure out what we can do and uh, get together and we can have some little food. We can all get on the treadmill together and compare our 20-minute <laughs> uh, workout. Like <laughs> you know? Hey, as a quick follow on that front, brother, um, you know, I feel like on the player side with the player community, the general public storyline right now is that players want to play. And I, but I do wonder this. I mean, when you have guys like, you know, Steph and LeBron and Russ and KD getting on a phone call and having like the super friends discussion that they had last week, uh, I get that. Those are prominent, powerful player voices. But this league's got 450 players and a lot of them, you know, are not part of that crowd. Uh, what general sense do you get from the players about the idea of wanting to play? And, you know, I, I do tell me if you if I'm wrong, but I, I just think there's got to be some guys within that that have greater concerns than others and that maybe aren't being heard at this time. Like what's the general mood when it comes to uh, the player outlook on getting back on the court, being safe, being healthy and doing it the right way? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think in talking to these guys is they have the same concerns that I have. Yeah. I want to go to the grocery store right now. I want to do a lot of things right now. Yeah. But the safety of everyone is involved with this. And every player that I've spoken with, every time I've spoken with the league or teams, that has been first and foremost at the forefront of every discussion that we've had is the safety of the players, the safety of the people that, that work for these teams, the safety of the league, the safety of the fans, the safety of the community in which no one wants to expose anyone to any risk that's unnecessary at this time. So. Uh, we don't want to lose sight of that. Um, but look, would we all want to return back to our, our normal everyday routine? Look, I, I, I have three kids here. I have a four-year-old. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Make no Man, doubt about quiet it. And I, can, and I can speak for my wife. I can speak for everyone here. But in saying that, you know, 
you know, we have to be respectful of, of the safety. So I want to make sure that that is the league, you know, Adam Silver, Commissioner Silver, and everyone has done an incredible job with that, making sure that's at the forefront and the players understand that. And um, you know what, we got to figure this one out together. And, and hopefully, like I said, we'll be, we'll back, we'll be back to whatever our new normal is and, and participating because this documentary, which, you know, brought us here on this call, you know, you can see the impact that sports has. It's been fun for the last five weeks to talk about it, kind of relive it. And the documentary is like a sporting event. You know, we would talk about that's it. That's all we week, got. You know? Yeah. That's all we got. So um, hopefully we'll figure something out here. It's, there's a lot of people out here smarter, much smarter than me. And, um, and hopefully they'll figure it out. But at the same time, we want to make sure that everyone's safe while we're doing it. With this pandemic and the financial impacts that it's going to have on the NBA, um, those have been somewhat well documented. Um, who, how many free agents do you have among your clients? And without getting into like your specific strategy for each guy, how do you think the the coming short shortfall that we're going to have cash wise? How does that impact uh, a free agent who's, who's going to be available this summer or fall or whenever that happens? Well, those are great questions. And uh, for better or for worse, no one can answer those questions because we don't have the answers to that. And, um, you know, as we are presently talking here, you know, the season hasn't officially been canceled. Um, so we don't really know. And um, I think in the next two to four weeks or what have you, um, an official decision will be made, whether they will try to presume in some fashion or maybe possibly in four weeks they can announce that the season has been officially been canceled or postponed. I don't know uh, what that will be. But what we do know is that, um, you know, they're going to try to figure out, you know, how to get the start of next season. And they're going to try to do it in a way and you still have to do the draft and you still have to do what's, you know, things you have to do, figure out where you're going to play, how you're going to play, if fans are going to be there. And then, by the way, um, there will be free agency <laughs> somewhere yeah. in that. Um, we got to figure out, you know, the BRI and all of those things. So there's a lot of unknowns here, and I know that can be unsettling to a lot of people. But um, truthfully, um, no one can answer those questions right now because it's on a day-to-day -day basis. And, uh you know, we're just all, you know, trying to figure those out questions out as we go along. But we're a long way from that, trying to understand what will be the economic impact. We do, un we do know that there will be some impact. And uh, to what degree, um, no one knows at this particular time. All right, BJ, you've given us more than enough time. We thank you very much. Uh, man, I didn't know going into this that next time I get on that treadmill, I'm going to be in beast mode, like thinking about you and Hey man, to, that, yeah. that, that is beast yeah. mode because I'm yeah. telling you, man, that 20 minutes, man, I'm telling you, <laughs> it, it's tough. It's I like tough. it. I like it. Take care of the family. Thank you for joining us. Like you said, hopefully we see you in an NBA arena very soon. Thanks again, man. We'll talk to you, you guys. Thanks, take BJ. care. You guys be well. You guys be safe. Thank you, BJ. Sure. Be good. Thank you. Yep.